Hello and welcome to the MB Ohm Podcast, where you will learn to master the business of yoga with guests from around the world who have experienced becoming successful yoga teachers, studio owners, and much more. Now, here's your host, Amanda Kingsmith. Hey guys, welcome to the MBOM podcast. I've got a really awesome episode for you today with special guest Carolyn McPherson. And Carolyn is somebody that I know from university. We both have business degrees. And since graduating, we've actually kind of followed a somewhat similar life life path. She basically hasn't lived in Canada since you know graduating in 2011, which is probably the biggest difference in our past. But along the way, she got her teacher training and she's been an international yoga teacher for the last two years, which is super awesome. My boyfriend Ryan and I had the chance to catch up with Carolyn a couple months ago when she was living in the Dominican Republic. And we had her as a guest on our travel podcast, The World Wanders. And when I decided to start MBO, I thought Carolyn would be so cool to have on here. While she was working in the Philippines, she decided to travel to India and get her yoga teacher training. And since then, she's taught in Nicaragua, the Dominican Republic, and now she's back in India at that ashram doing some teaching and using her business degree as well and working towards her future goal of owning her own yoga and dance eco resort. So super cool. She has a lot of really great advice and information and she's just an all around awesome person. So I really hope you enjoy the interview. Here's Carolyn. Um, Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's super cool to talk to you all the way in India. You're so far away from me, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. Do you want to start with just talking about how you first got into yoga? Sure. Well, I actually started yoga when I was in university, just as kind of like a fun recreational thing to do. I had been dancing pretty much my whole life. So when I started university, I just saw, you know, spin class and yoga and Pilates, and I tried all of them actually. And then yoga, I kind of did on and off throughout my four years in university. And then right after I finished university, I started working abroad and continued to kind of do yoga on and off. Like I had some uh, voice recordings where I would sometimes follow independently at my house. Sometimes I would go to studios, sometimes practice with friends, but I was pretty inconsistent. And then I was working for a couple of years in different countries doing some kind of business related jobs. And then finally, I just got tired of living or of working in a nine to five office environment, but I wanted to keep working abroad. And so I thought what to do. And by that point I was becoming more into yoga. So I thought, and I was in Asia. So I thought, okay, I'll just go to India and do my yoga teacher training. And it was one of my great life decisions (laughs) because now since uh, first of all, I love yoga and uh, I'm sure that you know, and most people who have done yoga teacher training can agree that doing a yoga teacher training is kind of like a life-changing experience for many ways. And for me, it also was, but um, I've had a lot of good opportunities since I finished my teacher training to teach um, around the world. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, something that I keep saying on like all the podcast episodes is like, even if you don't think you want to teach yoga, I feel like you should just go do a yoga teacher training because you learn so much about yourself. Definitely. Mm-hmm. It's like such an incredible experience. And you learn so much about yoga too. So even if you're just a practitioner, mm-hmm. like you just, you learn about the way your body moves in, at such a deeper level. Mm-hmm. And so what was it about like India that drew you to do your teacher training there? 
Well, I mean, India is kind of like the birthplace of yoga. And to me, when I think of like, where did yoga come from? It's India. That's like, for me, when I wanted to dance salsa, bachata, I went to the Caribbean. (laughs) So when I thought of like, where should I go for yoga? India was the first place that popped into my mind. And actually I was planning on, before I wanted to do a teacher training, I was actually planning on travel to, traveling to India because it's a country that I was always interested in visiting. Mm-hmm. And then, so I was kind of like thinking of traveling to go there, meanwhile getting more into the yoga. So then I thought, okay, well, I'll just do my yoga teacher training in India. And I think also the prices are pretty good in India. Like some other Asian countries are comparable, but India is cheaper than, cheaper than Bali, for example, definitely cheaper than any Western country like US or Europe or Canada. Um, I mean, even some Americans, they say that when they pay their airplane ticket and the tuition in India is still cheaper than a teacher training in in US would be. Plus, you have the feeling of authenticity because all the teachers are Indian. Some of them are like from yogic families. Like some of the teachers here come from yogic families, meaning their parents are yogis. They started doing yoga when they were kids. They've kind of like grown up doing yoga their whole life. They're not someone who just like five years ago started doing yoga or something um and then just being in india is kind of like i don't know there's something like this whole country is something like special within its spirituality which i don't think is at least for me in any other country that i've traveled to you just like have a special feeling of being in india and the people are kind of special um and then you know we have an ayurvedic doctor who's here so all the food we're eating is um ayurvedic like sattvic organic food coming from actually this ashram where i am so I guess, yeah, that's why I wanted to go to India, kind of for authenticity, for the price, the good price. And then also just because India was a country I was interested in visiting anyways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. That definitely resonates with me. It was like one of the first places that I looked to do a teacher training. And then I ended up settling on Bali. But I think India is still kind of like calling to me is somewhere that I'll do a training in the future for sure. <laughs> yes, I hope you come here. I'm doing my advanced anyways, I don't know if this is relevant, but I'm doing my advanced teacher training in June at this ashram. Maybe you could come with me. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be so amazing. That'd be really yeah. cool. You'll have to send me details on that. I will. Okay. Um and so after you finished your teacher training in India, did you did you teach in Canada at all? Did you come back and teach or did you head sort of straight to Nicaragua? Yeah, pretty much. I actually traveled for one month after in India. Um, and that was funny because I was like couch surfing or staying with some friends around who were Indians and they would ask me to teach yoga to them because they knew that I just finished this teacher training program. So I found that to be quite funny because actually my first experience teaching yoga was in India to other Indians. <laughs> so it's, I, yeah, I always think that's funny that I'm just like a Canadian girl who just finished her teacher training and started teaching <laughs> to Indians. But I mean, like, especially people who live in the cities, or let's just say like not everybody in India is a yogi for sure. So there's a lot of people who've never tried yoga, but are interested in it. Just like in Canada, there's a lot of people who've never tried, but are interested. So that was my first experience, but that was not really like official, meaning I was just doing it for friends in the house. Um, And then I went to where I think Malaysia for just for a few days and then Korea. Mm -hmm. And I was in Korea for about a month. Um, and then while I was in Korea, I got the opportunity to go to Nicaragua to teach there. Like I found it online. So I did go back to Canada before, um, Nicaragua for like two weeks. And I actually ended up teaching at, um, a dance camp from my dance teacher. So that was just like, uh, three or four days in the morning teaching yoga to kids, to dancers. Um, so that was like a small experience teaching in 
Canada. So I had like a few small experiences teaching yoga before I went to Nicaragua. But Nicaragua is basically like my first job or like official teaching yoga. Yeah. And you taught yoga like five days a week for three months, right? Uh, seven days a week, actually. Oh, wow. So you taught <laughs> yeah. yoga every day for three months? Yep. Well, they, yeah, literally for for more than a hundred days. I was there for a little bit more than three months and it was cool. I remember like my 100th day, I was like, wow, I taught yoga 100 consecutive days. That was so cool. So there it was a work exchange agreement. So in exchange for teaching one yoga class a day in the morning, it was from 7 till 8.30 a.m. I got three meals a day for free and free accommodation at this really, really awesome eco lodge in Nicaragua. And actually, they told me that I could have the weekends off if I really, really like wanted to or needed to. But the previous teacher was teaching seven days a week and they're like the, the guests really like yoga all the time. So I just taught yoga all the time because for me, it was a good learning opportunity and I was there anyways. That And also my workload was so little, like working only, like I I finished my working day before I even ate breakfast. So <laughs> to work seven days a week is not that bad when you actually have the whole entire day free time. <laughs> yeah, I guess when you only work like, what is that? One like, and a half hours a day. Like 10 hours a week. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy every day. Like what a way to just dive in and really get your experience. Yeah, yeah it was great. Did you, what was like the transition like between say your first class there and like your last class there? Um, well, I mean, of course I got more confident over time, but, uh, first of all, that was a pretty low pressure environment because the yoga classes were free. So people paid to stay in this hostel and then they could, if they wanted to go to a free yoga class. So it was pretty low, like low pressure, low stress. Cause no one was paying for the yoga class. Everybody were like travelers on vacation. So they weren't necessarily, they're like, okay, we have 60 minutes. We need to work out. They're kind of like, oh, we're just getting up early to try yoga. So it was really, I never really felt like pressure or stress, even on my first class. But actually what happened to me there was that because I was on a kind of a small island and I was the only yoga teacher um, nearby, <laughs> I didn't have the any opportunities to go to any other yoga classes. So I actually like halfway through kind of was feeling really kind of uninspired. Like I felt like I kind of got in a rut with my teaching and I had more or less the same routine that I was going through every day because it was all travelers coming. So most people would stay on average three days and then leave. So I could do more or less the same routine over and over and over again because the people weren't yeah. the same. So I just kind of like, after some time, I felt kind of like uninspired. Like I need, I, I want to be a student again. I want to go to other classes. And like, I was pretty good with my own personal practice in the afternoon, but it's not the same. Like to me as a teacher, you need to teach to, to in order to improve, you need to be able to teach. You need to be able to have your own self-practice and you also need to be able to attend other teachers. Like to me, you can't grow as a teacher without doing all three of these, in my opinion, in my experience. Mm -hmm. So I was missing that one. And especially as a really new and pretty unexperienced yoga teacher, I think that was really really important. So finally, after like two months there, I did find another yoga teacher. And um, I went to say like once a week to her classes, meaning only four or five times because it was towards the end that I found her. Um, but that kind of like revived me. Like I, each time I went, I got a few new ideas. And just the, just like to be able to kind of let go and be a student again was a really um, nice thing. Yeah, it's cool to have somebody else like lead you and to kind of get out of your head. Like, mm -hmm. I think it's really important to have a balance between like self-practice and going to people's classes too. And I actually struggle with the self-practice aspect because I find I get really distracted, but I'm really yeah. trying to like just get on my mat and just focus on whatever I feel like doing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that that's a great point. 
that's such a cool way to like just learn to teach yoga. Like, mm-hmm. Did you find that you were planning your classes like beforehand every day or did it get to a point where you're kind of like, okay, like I know what I'm doing. Like I've got this. No, never. Even my first class, I never planned it. Like I've, okay. Occasionally, like not there specifically, but occasionally if I, if I do a specific class, like sometimes I do classes based on the chakras or with some specific theme, then I still don't plan like every asana that I'm doing, but I like say I think about it beforehand. But mostly like even when I started teaching, I would just go in with an empty slate like and just kind of <laughs> go with the flow. But that's one of the really great things about my teacher training is they gave us kind of like a, say a skeleton or a template sequence so it's not like you should do this asana then you should do this asana but it's actually based on the chakras so it's like certain asanas are for certain chakras so you're starting at the bottom with the root chakra and then working all the way up finally to headstand so it's this like kind of it's not a series like bikram yoga where you're doing the same asanas every time but it's just like something to keep in your mind and you know like you do forward bends and then you do back bends and everything has a counterpose to it and so like I think my teacher training was really, really great and that it gave me this kind of structure. It didn't limit me to doing the same asanas every single time, but it kind of gave me the structure to fall back on, which is what I was always using when I started teaching. And for me, which is still the most convenient. Like now I've been teaching also vinyasa yoga and yin yoga and kids yoga and all these other things. So for that, I need to like a little bit think beforehand, but if I'm going to teach like a Hatha yoga class or uh, say freestyle, which basically turns into Hatha for me, I can just go in without even thinking about anything beforehand. That's amazing. I'm like, feel like I need to be in control a little bit more, which might just be like the difference in our personalities. But I think that's amazing that you just go in there and like, just kind of like let it happen without stressing about it. Mm-hmm. And that's cool too, that you did that like right from the get go. Like, I feel like I'm slowly getting there as a teacher, but definitely not in the beginning. Like I was like, Mm -hmm. had my sequence planned. I had my sheet of paper there. I was like, had all my cues written out. I was so nervous to miss something, which is so ridiculous because people have no idea. Yeah. They wouldn't know anyways. Yeah. Yeah, They don't know when you miss like one cue. Um, But yeah, that's really cool. I admire that a lot. Mm -hmm. And so from Nicaragua, where did you had from there then I went to Costa Rica just for like three week vacation over Christmas time with my sister and that was actually cool because we went to a well we meaning occasionally her and always me <laughs> went to a lot of <laughs> yoga classes um she's not so much into yoga but she went sometimes with me but yoga, Costa Rica is kind of like a, fit, a hub for yoga so we kind of planned our travels to places where we could go to yoga classes um so that was an- another good opportunity for me to kind of like get a lot of experience being a student um so I spent you know 10 or 12 days just going to yoga classes every day which was really cool on the beach Um, and then I went to Dominican Republic which is the next main place so there I went without any um, job lined up beforehand I just knew that I wanted to go to Dominican because I really love the culture of music and dance and there was a few other things that drew me to Dominican Republic specifically as opposed to another Caribbean country So when I went there, I actually um, just had fun for the first month. (laughs) And then finally I decided, like, I went there with the idea that I wanted to work there and teach yoga there. Um, So then after a few weeks, I started going around to the different yoga studios there. And I just introduced myself and I said I was a yoga teacher. And so it started slowly. Like at first I was just subbing for other teachers. And then they gave me one or two classes a week. um, And I was slowly building up, like, 
because I had to teach other styles. I only did my teacher training and had experience in Hatha yoga, but I needed there to teach also vinyasa yoga, the Bikram series, kids yoga, prenatal yoga, all these different things. So it was like a really good learning opportunity for me, but it was like, it took me a while to build up to everything. But by the time I left after I stayed in total for about nine months, And by the time I left, I had like 12 to 14 classes a week, which is two or three classes a day, Monday to Friday. Mm -hmm. So that's, I would say, like full-time teaching yoga, meaning I wouldn't want to teach more than three classes a day anyways. Although actually, some days I was teaching like five or six classes, which was really cool and crazy. Um, Five or six. That's yeah. Yeah. I had, I had one day where I taught six classes in one day. It was amazing because I was like, yeah, kind of, but it was also (laughs) cool. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd say like three classes a day. If you want to be say a full-time yoga teacher, I think three classes a day is kind of a nice, um, thing to go for where you can make enough money, still have enough time for, for yourself and for your own practice. So yeah, I mean, it took me a little while because I didn't go there with anything lined up beforehand, but through, you know, time and constantly improving my Spanish, my teaching and my personal practice, then I was able to get more, um, classes to teach. And did you teach all your classes in Spanish right from the get-go? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So when you went there, what was your level of Spanish like? Um, I could talk like, I mean, let's say fluently, meaning I could, you know, have a normal conversation, but I couldn't like say anything that I wanted to say. Like I could converse pretty well, but not perfectly. I don't know. It's hard to describe, but like I studied a lot, the specific words for yoga and I went to a lot of yoga classes in Spanish, which helped me. And I had some, um, books in Spanish about yoga that I was reading to get the proper, proper terminology. And like, I was writing different phrases that I might use in Spanish and like getting my friends to help translate. So I did do a lot of studying actually to make myself able to teach yoga in Spanish. Yeah. Um, but definitely, (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure I like that. I know I improved a lot um, from when I started to when I finished how I could teach yoga in Spanish. And also it helped me improve my overall level of Spanish because I was doing everything in Spanish. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, like I speak conversational Spanish, but there's certain areas of conversation that I have no vocabulary for because I just didn't learn it and didn't need it when I was in South America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we had like when I worked at Lou Eleven, we had um, some Spanish people come in and people were like, oh, she speaks Spanish. And I was like, oh, I don't have like any vocabulary for helping stretchy try. yoga pants. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know how to ask somebody like, like, I kind of had an idea of how to ask like, what size are you? And like, I kind of kept just being like, todo bien, todo bien, which is like <laughs> not, not fluency. <laughs> yeah. So it's cool that you were able to kind of like branch out and get fluent in all the different areas of Spanish and especially like yoga. Like we went to classes when we were in South America and we kind of were like slowly catching on to what inhale and exhale was. <laughs> and when they used the Sanskrit names for poses, I was like, okay, sweet. I know what this is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The names in Spanish that weren't Sanskrit, I was like, I don't know what we're doing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But like also most of my students could understand English. So 
actually a lot of them could speak English better than I could speak Spanish. <laughs> but like I still taught in Spanish because they told me to and because I'm in that country, so I should. But like if ever I was stuck on something, I could say it in English and most people would understand it. And like there was a few times where I had really small classes of like two people or three people and like they had all lived in the US before and were perfectly fluent in Spanish. So there's like a few situations where they're like, oh, could you just give the class in the English? Because like, you know, even for me now that I'm out of a Spanish speaking country, whenever I see a person who speaks Spanish, I'm like, let's speak in Spanish so I can practice. So it was kind of a similar thing in Dominican. Like a lot of people who had previously lived in an English speaking country or were trying to improve their English would be like, yeah, let's do the yoga class in English because then I can improve my English. So there were like sometimes when I taught in English, but then it was actually funny because I actually like by the time I had nine months in Dominican, I had way more experience teaching yoga in Spanish than I had teaching yoga in English because I only taught for three or four months in English and then I taught for nine months in Spanish and I was teaching two or three classes a day in Spanish as opposed to one class a day in English. So like I actually became like more confident teaching yoga in Spanish even though I couldn't even fully fluently speak Spanish, which was kind of funny. So then sometimes I would teach in English and I would be like how do you say this again in English? Because like some terms like like tabletop position, in Spanish they call it las cuatro puntos, like the four points. Yeah. And so then I would be like the four points, but that doesn't sound right in English, you know? And just certain <laughs> things like, it was like It was kind of funny going back. But then when I came to India and I started t teaching in English again, and I really like, you know, got in the flow of English. I was just like, oh, this is so great to just be able to say what I want <laughs> easily and perfectly. Yeah. What a crazy like transition from <laughs> like it's so as like a native English speaker. It's so incredible for me to think about like actually not knowing how to say something in English because I'm so like confident in another language. Like I'd love to be there. That's super cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then like remembering how you've got this whole like English vocabulary that you grew up with that you're like, wow, I can express so many things outside of this. <laughs> yeah. Like, did you find when you were teaching in the Dominican that it was very much like, like when you were guiding people, it was very like based on the poses and like not really getting, I guess, sort of like other personal things into the classes or were you still able to add sort of like that stuff? Yeah, definitely. Like there, I often felt myself limited. Like I wanted to say other stuff, but I just couldn't easily figure out how to say it or I'd end up just like sounding stupid or thinking that I sounded stupid. So like, I mean, I, so like I never planned my sequences in advance, like we talked about in advance, but sometimes I would like write out something that I wanted to say in Spanish if I wanted to talk about like prana or the chakras or something like the physical, I pretty much got like, you know, I had so much experience guiding into any asana. I could pretty much do that in Spanish. Okay. But then, yeah, like when I wanted to say go deeper or provide, you know, anecdotes or talk about something beyond the physical body, it was hard. So sometimes I would like write out something or at least mentally think of something beforehand. Um, or sometimes I just <laughs> wouldn't say other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I definitely... I can't imagine trying to do that in Spanish because it's hard too. Because there's kind of like these, there's like, you know, sayings don't always translate in different languages. Yeah. Like I know we went to a movie when we were in Buenos Aires and it was in English, but translated to Spanish. And there were certain English sayings that they would just put in quotations and not translate it because there's, oh, there's yeah. like not that saying in Spanish. And I'm sure there's yeah. in Spanish that we don't directly translate to English. Yeah, exactly. So it'd be hard to kind of like figure those things out to try to add that 
like extra stuff to your classes. Yeah. Did you notice like much of a difference between, I guess, sort of like the yoga culture between Nicaragua and Dominican Republic and then even India as well? Yeah, definitely. Well, actually in Nicaragua, I don't think I had a single Nicaraguan student (laughs) because I was teaching on a eco hostel owned by an Italian that was people from all over the world, like tons of people from other Latin American countries, Europe, US, Canada, whatever. But like... Yeah, I don't even think there was any Nicaraguan <laughs> coming to that place. So um, I actually, I mean, I don't really know anything about the Nicaraguan Nicaraguan yoga culture, but like Central America, like I mentioned, is kind of becoming a hub for yoga. Like especially Costa Rica and Guatemala are the two biggest ones, but Nicaragua is up there too in terms of like say eco places places offering yoga retreats or just hostels that have yoga classes it's pretty popular around central america so i think a lot of travelers or backpackers are kind of following this yoga trail like going to different hostels that have yogas and stuff that have yoga classes so that's kind of cool um i don't know how popular yoga is amongst nicaraguans like in you know in the city or whatever um, in Dominican Republic, I was living in the capital city and I was teaching, I'd say like 80 to 90% of the students were Dominicans. And then the other percentage were people, you know, who worked at the American embassy or their husband worked in, in Santo Domingo or something like that. So there was like a, a few expats, um, but mostly Dominicans going there and their yoga is still catching on. Like, um, it's in the capital city, there's two big yoga studios, meaning like like what we would consider a yoga studio and then there's other yoga teachers who are teaching either out of their house or like they have a small small studio and just that themselves are running um so it's still like catching on um it's definitely something that is mostly for the upper class so like most developing countries you can see like huge differences between say lower class and upper class um and the yoga classes were really expensive there, like at, like the same price that you'd pay in Canada or U.S. So if you think of like a rich Dominican, that's fine. But like what one yoga class would cost is probably more than like half the country would earn in a day. So that was kind of like a strange thing to think about. Um, so, and there, like, yeah, so most of the people who were attending yoga classes had previously lived in New York or had some sort of, like I said, are kind of like upper class and have had some sort of international experience. So yoga is not really caught on yet for say like middle class or common Dominicans. Mm -hmm. Although there was one really cool thing that was happening when I was there and is still happening is that they have a lot of donation based yoga classes, which happens all over the world. But, um, almost like actually almost every single day of the week, there was a teacher doing donation based yoga in a park or a plaza or some outdoor space. And then people could come and they could just pay whatever they want. So some people didn't even pay anything. And some people paid, you know, like a dollar or $2. I mean, in the Dominican currency, but that equivalent, whereas, um, in the studio, uh, I think if you put it back to U.S. dollars, it was something like 16 U.S. dollars for one class or 100 U.S. dollars for a monthly membership. So that's like what you would pay actually in the U.S. or Canada or something. Yeah, I'm surprised that it costs that much to get a membership or to just drop in. Mm-hmm. It's it's cool that they're offering. I mean, I think it's cool that they do it everywhere, that they do offer like those karma classes where people can just do yeah. it. It's nice to have like yoga accessible for everyone. 
Yeah, exactly. And then there's like, I met some other people who were trying to start some some projects where they're bringing yoga to the schools or doing other things. Uh, but also the Dominican Republic is quite a religious country. So like, for example, in the studio where I went, they didn't want us to be chanting any mantras or talking too much about, say, like the spiritual side of yoga. It was more just marketed as a physical exercise, which um, is okay. I mean, it takes a while for yoga to catch on. And there's there were some schools who were doing meditation and chanting mantras and talking about like, what is yoga beyond the asanas? There were some teachers who were doing that like on a small scale, but the kind of big commercial yoga studios were just doing physical yoga asana practice. And I'm sure over time, like, you know, the students who start yoga, even me and most people start yoga just with doing physical asanas. And then eventually some people, they're just happy doing that. But then a lot of people, they want to know, like, what is yoga beyond the asanas? And so then like the teachers can share their knowledge and maybe the studio will evolve over time to be more focused on like holistic yoga. But at the moment that I was there, that's what it was, was more just like physical practice only. That's interesting. So were studio owners kind of worried that like the like chanting and sort of spiritual aspect of the yoga practice would take away from, are they mostly Catholic in Dominican Republic? Yeah. They thought it would kind of like take away from it or kind of like clash with their religious beliefs. Yeah. Like I think that, yeah, they just have this, I guess like the culture that some people even you know around the world like some people think that yoga is religion although really it's not Mm -hmm. and they think that if they're following another religion whether it's catholic or muslim or whatever they think that they cannot do yoga because it's like converting to another religion which of course it's not but it does have you know it definitely is like a spiritual thing so if you are following one religion really seriously it could be yeah kind of like contradictory contradictory or something but also just to make like something that's pretty new in a country where most people haven't heard of yoga before just to try to kind of make it accessible because there's a lot of people who if you start chanting things or talking about yeah a lot of like abstract spiritual philosophies they would kind of you know get intimidated or scared or shy away from it but whereas if you're just saying like yeah this is a physical workout for one hour you're going to sweat then they're like okay cool I'm going to try it Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That is super interesting to think about. I hadn't really like considered that, you know, a country that's super religious wouldn't want that sort of aspect of yoga in it. But I guess it's kind of this idea where like yoga comes into their country and they don't really want yoga to kind of like change their culture and their beliefs and the way that they already kind of like operate, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so you were planning to stay in the Dominican Republic for like quite a bit of time mm-hmm. and then how did, how did India come about? <laughs> so I did my teacher training in India um, about a year and a half ago, June 2014 at this ashram. Um, it's called Ayur Yoga Eco Ashram and it's really, really a cool place. And I have a dream of starting my own um, dance and yoga eco retreat center. So the reason why I went to this place in the, this ashram in the first place for my teacher training is because it has a lot in common with my dream. Like it's in a really beautiful countryside place away from any noise in the city. Um, they have a big organic farm and most of the food that they grow 
is from our own land and they're also doing some social projects um, like providing Ayurvedic medicine and clean toilets and stuff like that to the neighboring villages. So they're doing a lot of really cool things. And also it's a very holistic yoga program. It's not just yoga asanas, but it's also like there's some swamis here talking about the yoga sutras and the Bhagavad Gita. There's an Ayurvedic doctor. Um, You're learning also scientific like yoga anatomy. So it's a very holistic course. So anyways, this ashram is really great. I did my teacher training here for one month. I left, but I was always like, you know it was really cool this place Mm. um so I was in the Dominican Republic you know so happy I was there for eight or nine months planning on staying for at least another say six months one year who knows (laughs) like I wasn't planning on leaving anytime soon let's just say yeah and then one night in the middle of the night I got to go got up to go to the bathroom and I just checked my phone to see the time and I had a Facebook message from the owner of this ashram in India And I had not ever received a Facebook message from him before. I had emailed him twice, exactly twice since I left the ashram. Once was when I started teaching in Nicaragua just to be like, hey, I started teaching, like it's cool. And then the other time was actually just a couple months before because I was starting to think about doing my advanced teacher training and I needed some sort of clarification on like the curriculum that we studied because I was actually like in the process of applying for an advanced teacher training. Yeah. And they asked some questions about my uh, 200 hour teacher training. So I had emailed this guy twice since I left. So it's not like we we're in regular contact or anything. Yeah. So I saw this message from him on Facebook and it was just like, I'm feeling, he said something along the lines, like I'm feeling quite overwhelmed with the, you know, office work, admin work, marketing website, stuff like that. Um, would you like to come to the ashram and help with this? And he's like, I'll send you a plane ticket. You can come right away. And at first, wow. like my first, my first thought was like, this is spam. Like I was like, he, his account <laughs> got hacked. This is like, cause it just seems so strange. He's like, I'll send you a plane ticket. You can come right away. I was like, what? <laughs> and then, so I just, I didn't respond. I went back to bed and then in the morning I read it again and I was like, okay, well let me just respond and see what this is all about. So I just responded. I was like, Hey, um, nice to hear from you randomly. <laughs> um, I'm interested. Can you tell me more about the opportunity? Like what exactly you want me to do, um, what the say compensation will be when you want me to come, et cetera, et cetera. And then right away he responded like within, I mean, within half an hour, he responded with this really long email saying like, you know, explaining everything that we, he wanted me to do. Some of the like obstacles that the ashram was facing, you know, uh, and just like all of these details. And then it was, to me, it was like a really, really cool opportunity. I really liked the ashram a lot. I felt like I could learn a lot by being back in India. And also I was kind of like honored that he chose me. Like he has more, there's more than 800 graduates from this ashram, from him, his yoga teacher training courses. And he could have asked anyone. And the fact that he asked me, it was kind of like, I felt like I was like somehow chosen and I felt like, okay, then I, I, I should go. But I mean, not even because of that, but just like for a yoga teacher to be immersed in living on a yoga ashram for six months or so is like a great, great, great opportunity. Yeah, definitely. I'm also like a very spontaneous person and love, you know, changes. And I was super happy in Dominican. I was literally living my dream life. But because I was at this point where I was teaching like, you know, two or three yoga classes a day, living in a great house, et cetera, et cetera. I was like, if I stay in Dominican for another year, I'll probably just keep on doing the same thing for the next year. And it's great. Like I'm doing everything I love. But I was like, I could keep doing the same thing or I could just drastically change everything and have a new experience. So (laughs) I thought about it. I, I thought about it for like a day 
let's say. But basically within like an hour or two, I had made up my mind. I was like, I'm going. So then um, I kind of, I gave one week notice to the yoga studio and then I went back to Canada to get the visa and then I went to India. That's so crazy. So what was the time frame between like getting this first like Facebook message and like plane landing in India? About a month. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's yeah, so incredible. So like he sent me the message. I thought about it for say like a day before I confirmed. And then I booked my ticket to go back to Canada, I think like 10 days later. So I could, you know, give enough notice to the yoga studio and kind of tie up all my ends there. And then I had, actually I was in Canada for almost a month. So it would have been just over a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing your photos. It was crazy though. Cause Ryan and I had talked to you for the travel podcast. And then I saw your <laughs> Facebook post like in Spanish, like saying goodbye. And I got both, like I read it in Spanish first and I got most of what it was, but then I was like, what is she going somewhere? So then I translated <laughs> it on Facebook. Cause I was like, I feel like I'm missing something. And I was like, Whoa, what? <laughs> she's going to India. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. What was the process like to get a visa? Like, cause you had to get a work visa for India or can you just oh, get no, a-, a tourist visa? Oh, okay. So it's like pretty, I guess like, yeah, say fair to get that. Yeah. I mean, there's a visa collection office in Calgary. So I just dropped off my passport there. And then a few weeks later they mailed it to my house with the visa in it. Oh, that's awesome. And then, yeah. so tell me about life in India. Yeah, so it's really, really, really great. Like I said, this ashram is awesome. And one of my main jobs is kind of like promoting. So (laughs) I'll do a little bit of promoting for this ashram on this blog. And if you want to like include the website or something later, that'd be awesome. Because I mean, it's my job, what I'm supposed to do. But I do really, really believe that this is like an amazing place and great for anybody to come for a teacher training. And they also offer two-week yoga retreats here. So like we have some total beginners sometimes who are coming for two-week yoga retreats or like senior citizens or whatever. So it's really cool. But basically like a day in the life for me, which is not the same as for the students. So um, actually every morning at 5.30, a wake up bell rings and then the students are supposed to go to meditation or the students do go to meditation class from 6 to 6.30. But I generally don't go to that class. My day usually starts um, with the yoga class, asana practice from 7 until 9. So that's for me, like one of the highlights of being here is because I get to attend yoga classes with really, really great Indian, traditional Indian yoga teachers. Mm -hmm. So from seven till nine or even 9.15, usually we have a yoga asana and pranayama class, um, which is just amazing. Like this, the yoga hall that they have here is this huge circular yoga hall right in front of a river. And we're coming there like as the sun is rising, doing all these sun salutations. And then you can hear all these birds chirping and like the slight fresh breeze is blowing through. And it's just like windows all the way around. And it's so like really, really amazing. Um, So that's the first, that's the first two hours of the day is doing this yoga. So, I mean, what a better way to start your day. (laughs) And then after that, uh, the breakfast is, you know, we just walk up like two or three minutes from the yoga hall to the eating area and the breakfast is just there waiting for us. So it's typical Indian food, which is like chapati, rice, um, some raw vegetables, and then usually one, one or two cooked vegetable, like 
curry type dishes or just cooked, you know, like beets or spinach or any different type of vegetables. Um, Every day, something different. And then one either like bean or lentil or chickpea or something like that for protein. So everything, like all the food here is 100% vegetarian. Um, They have sometimes milk or yogurt, but there's no eggs. Um, And most of the vegetables are grown from our own organic garden. And then things like the rice and the milk and the other things are bought from the surrounding farmers. So that's also really cool. Like to me, this food is so delicious. And just the fact that I don't have to cook for myself, like I just walk out of the yoga class and this amazing healthy meal is waiting for me is so cool. And it's buffet style. So the students can just go take as much as they want, as much or as little. And if there's something you don't like, you don't have to eat it. So then um, the breakfast is say like around 9.30. And then And when I finish breakfast, then I go into the office. So usually from after breakfast until lunchtime, which is three or four hours, I'm working in the office. And so, like I said, my one of my main things is just marketing. Like this place is amazing, but people need to know about it in order to come. Yeah. So at first I was helping uh, finish the website. They just finished a new, we just finished a new website. And now I'm working on a lot of different things relating to marketing, like kind of link link building, social media, et cetera, et cetera. So that's for three or four hours in the morning. Then we have lunchtime. So lunch is just a fruit lunch. Um, Sometimes we have like a small snack with fruit, but it's supposed to be quite light because there's an afternoon yoga practice. So uh, fruit lunch. And then usually in the afternoon, I have a couple of hours free time. So I either read because I love reading. Um, I set up my hammock. So I often read in my hammock or sometimes I just like kind of hang out and talk with the students if they have free time. Sometimes I go for a walk. Sometimes I have a nap. Sometimes I just do personal things on the computer. Um, And then in the evening, like at 4.30, there's another evening yoga class. So sometimes I'm teaching to the yoga immersion. I never teach for the teacher training because I'm not so advanced teacher yet. But like the beginner yoga classes, I often get to teach them in the evening, which I really love. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I teach them in the evening. Sometimes I go back to the office for one or two hours in the evening. Or sometimes I just have the evening free, like go for a walk or do whatever. And then we have dinner. Uh, which again is similar to breakfast, like three or at least like four, say four or five different dishes, the new buffet style, you take as much as you want. And then in the evening is also free time. So it's pretty um, like, you know, laid back. Yeah, (laughs) it's pretty awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So like the course isn't more intensive, like the students are working harder than I am. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. What's it been like sort of adjusting to like the difference in food? I mean, you've kind of been living out of Canada for years now, so you've experienced so many different types of food, but I'm just thinking about like breakfast there sounds so different from your typical like Canadian breakfast. Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, we're used to eating like mostly sweet things for breakfast and not like the breakfast here is like usually the biggest meal of the day. Like because you've just done a two-hour yoga practice, so you're pretty hungry, and you know that you won't be eating, like, another real meal until dinner. Like, I never feel starving, but um, you know that after breakfast, you're not going to eat. Like, I mean, you eat fruit at lunchtime. So, like, no, I mean, for me, it's totally fine. Like, I really, really, really love the food that they have here, and I also, like, I really like eating healthy food, but I also have a bit of a sweet tooth and suffer a bit from lack of willpower when it comes to (laughs) chocolate and sweets. So here, yeah. So here it's really cool because there's no temptation. Like we actually get dessert, um, like an Indian dessert once or twice a 
week, but it's never chocolate. But it, like, for example, today we had a dessert, so that was really cool. It was just like some rice pudding thing. So, I mean, yeah, say like once or maybe twice a week, we get a somewhat healthy Indian type dessert. But in terms of like what I really crave is chocolate and cakes and cookies. There's nothing of that here. So it's really cool because actually most of this like craving is just mentally. And since I know that I'm not having it, then I don't think about it and I don't crave it and it just doesn't bother me. So that's been really cool. And like, I feel really, really good with the food here and it's Indian food, but they like slightly make it for Western Westerners. Like it's not so, so, so spicy and there's not so many curries like normally they have in India. And also every day we have raw salad, which is they don't eat like raw vegetables. Most Indians never eat raw vegetables, but they know that most foreigners, especially like yogis love eating raw raw vegetables and salads and stuff. So every day we have like either sometimes it's just cut up like sliced raw vegetables or sometimes it's actually like a mixed salad but we have that every day so that's really cool also but yeah I love the food here and just like I don't like cooking that much so the fact that someone is preparing all of this food for me is really awesome yeah no that's really great was it hard for you to get kind of like on their eating schedule um in terms of like eating like bigger breakfasts and bigger dinners and then a lighter lunch or were you kind of like unfazed by that Yeah, it's fine. Like I knew what I was getting myself into because it was the same schedule when I came here for my teacher training. Um, Like naturally, I'm a bit more of a snacker. Like I eat two or three times a day. And I mean, every two or three hours, meaning six times a day. Yeah, I'm the same (laughs) Um, way, which is why I'm asking. I like immediately have like, like, uh, like eating anxiety, thinking about not being able to eat for so many hours. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I used to be like that also, but like I said, it's a really, it's a really good opportunity because I do think sometimes I'm like a little bit too obsessed with food and eating and stuff. So so this is like a really cool opportunity to not think about food. Like there's no point in thinking when is the next meal going to be because it's just always going to be at this time. And if you get hungry early, then too bad. So, but like, I find that if I'm just not thinking about it, it doesn't bother me. And, um, like, I mean, no, I don't. I, and I actually almost never feel hungry. Like usually half an hour before dinner, I start feeling hungry, which is normal. Yeah. But I actually like now that I'm on this schedule, I really, really like it. And now, cause I'm like the reason, the main reason why they do this is that, so you're practicing yoga on a really empty stomach. Cause like in the West we think, oh, if we ate like one hour before we could still go to yoga class. But here it's like, you shouldn't eat for like at least three to four hours or more before. So now that's what I'm used to. And I really like the feeling. And so now I've got it, like you said, you used to, you have like anxiety if you think of not eating for two or three hours. And now for me, I have anxiety. If I think of eating, then I can't do yoga for another two or three hours. So sometimes if I'm like eating small things like frequently, then I'm like, oh, then I can never do yoga. So I've, yeah, I guess I've. <laughs> it's so like, funny how like. Adjusted. <laughs> yeah, like humans are so adaptable. Like I feel like we really yeah. adapt to environments and like schedules and routines really quickly. So that's super interesting. That's, yeah. That's really cool. And then, so how often are you teaching in India? Um, the first month I was teaching three times a week, every second evening, but I was teaching every class was two hours. Well, like between 90 minutes to two hours, like one class. So, um, yeah, that was three evenings a week for the beginners. Um, that was the first month I was here. The second month I was here, I was teaching 
uh, we had a really, really big group. So there was always two teachers together. So three times a week I was teaching and some, another teacher was assisting me. And then three times a week, another teacher was teaching and I was assisting. So that means like basically every day I was either teaching or assisting. And this month, so this is my third month here. Uh, they just got a new Indian yoga teacher. So I'm actually not regularly teaching this month because now there's three kind of like expert Indian yoga teachers. Um, so they told me that I can still teach like once a week or maybe twice a week just to keep up my teaching practice. Yeah. So that's probably what I'll do this month is just like, you know, once a week or something just to keep up my teaching practice. But this month I'll focus more on the office work. Um, yeah. So it's like every month because how it works here is they have the four, like a uh, one yoga teacher training course is for four weeks. Mm-hmm. And then there's a break in between. So I also get a break in between so I can go off the ashram and travel a little bit or do whatever I want and then come back. So each month is kind of different depending on the number of students who are there. And because there's two courses running simultaneously, which is the teacher training and then the yoga retreat for beginners, is that like the, they need to, depending on if there's more in the teacher training or more in the beginners, they need to like adapt how the teachers will be. So every month is like a different schedule is what I'm just saying. Yeah, that's kind of cool though that you're not like like, I feel like it's really easy to kind of get bored when you're doing the same routine all the time. Like, I feel like it's cool that each month it's like, okay, what's this month going to be like? And then, yeah, definitely. And like meeting all of the students from around the world is so cool. Also, like everybody, we have, you know, 20 year olds coming. We have 63 year olds coming. We have, you know, people who own multi million dollar businesses. We have people who are former like pole dance strippers and everything. <laughs> and it's like so inspiring. And like sometimes mo- mothers and daughters come. Like we have a 30 year old um, lady with her 63 year old mother here doing the beginner's yoga retreat together. And like sometimes husband and wife come. And I don't know, like just to meet all the students and talk to them is really cool also yeah so yeah like I never I never get bored like I'm living in the middle of nowhere but every month I have 30 new 30 new like really interesting friends (laughs) to meet yeah totally and you're probably like sad to see them go but then it's like new people come in the following month yeah exactly Mm -hmm. that's yeah that's such a cool experience I hadn't really thought about like all the people who'd be coming and going constantly that you'd get to hang out with and (laughs) Yeah, it's really cool. So how far outside of like a town or a city is the ashram? Um, well, the nearest big city, like meaning where a city where there's an international airport is Bangalore, which takes five or six hours to drive. Wow. Um, so like all the students fly into the Bangalore airport and then there's a taxi that like the ashram arranges taxis to pick them up at the airport. And then it takes five or six hours to drive to the ashram. The nearest city um, that has like a shopping mall and international restaurants and stuff like that is Mysore, which is about one hour drive away. So Mysore is actually a city like really famous for Ashtanga yoga. So there's a lot of stuff there like for international yoga students. Like there's a lot of organic restaurants and stores that sell yoga clothes and stuff. So a lot of the students, because we have classes six days a week and then the seventh day is a rest day or like free day. So a lot of the students will go to Mysore on that rest day and shop and eat pizza and (laughs) and stuff like that. So that, I mean, it's only one hour away, so it's really easy to go for one day. Um, There's a small, small, small town that's one kilometer away. So that town has like tiny, tiny, tiny shop where you can buy like 
cell phone recharge and like small wrapped candies but like there's no atm there's no post office it's like a really really small town that's one kilometer away and then the nearest town that has you know like a bakery and a post office and that's actually like a town is i think seven kilometers away okay that's cool so you really are quite secluded where you are yeah has that been a big change from like living in like downtown Santa Domingo, <laughs> like the Dominican yeah, Republic? Kind of, but I love it here. Like ultimately at the moment, I love both. Like I love living in a city and I love living in a nature place, but ultimately I know I'm going to, or I think, I feel like I'm going to end up living in a nature place, like away from a city. And I never feel bored here, never, ever, ever feel bored because there's so much to do, like in terms of me being a student, going to the classes, me working in the office, and then just meeting all of the international students. Like I never feel bored. But it is kind of, like I mentioned, I the four there's four-week courses and then a one-week vacation. So it's actually a really nice, for me, really nice ratio because like I never feel bored here. I never feel restless. I never feel like, oh, I must get out of the ashram. But like usually by the fourth week, I'm feeling like, okay, it will be nice to, to go to a city or to just be free out of the routine, like do something out of the routine. Yeah. So then, then that's usually happening like just at the end of the four weeks. And then I go away for five days. And then at the end of five days, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go back to the ashram. I'm ready to go back to my routine, my yoga, my healthy food, my peaceful lifestyle. So it's like a really cool ratio, like four weeks working, one week vacation to me is like perfect. (laughs) I love that. That sounds pretty ideal. Yeah. What sort of places have you gone on your vacation so far? Uh, well, the first vacation, I just went to the city for salsa dancing. I was actually supposed to go to Chennai because I have a lot of salsa dancing friends who live in Chennai. But that week that I was supposed to go to Chennai was like a big flood, really, really, really big flood. I don't know if it really made international news, but like a lot of people died and there were like boats going around in the city instead of cars. Oh, so wow. of course, I didn't go to Chennai. And then I just stayed in Bangalore. And so I danced salsa there and I ate a lot of desserts and I did some shopping and hung out with some friends who I'd met before. So I was just in the city, but it was, let's just say that a week is for me is too long to spend in the city without anything specific to do. Like basically the only reason I was there was for salsa dancing, but that was only within the week was only three salsa parties. So it's kind of like I was waiting around a lot just to go out salsa dancing. Gotcha. So this past vacation, which was, which I just came back from, like I told you last week, I wasn't available to talk. Um, I went to actually another organic farm about seven or eight hours bus ride away. And it's a really cool place. They had a tree, they have some tree houses there and it's my dream to live in a tree house. And (laughs) I love that. Yeah. And they had some lakes, like small man-made lakes with some stand-up paddle boards and kayaks and just a lot of cool people were there. So that was really, really nice. Um, I got to meet some other cool people and I spent a bit of time in the nearby city from that place. I spent one evening on the beach and then the rest of the time kind of like hanging out on the farm. So it was actually kind of similar to this place, meaning like it's out in nature and, and stuff, but it was really a really, really, really great vacation. Yeah. yeah, that sounds like a pretty good balance. Like I kind of feel you on like being in a city all the time, especially if you're kind of just touring around, like it kind of gets old pretty quick. Yeah. And you can like walk and enjoy the ocean or enjoy the forest or whatever it is. I feel like it's just a little bit more peaceful and settling. Yeah. And so in terms of things that you've learned, like as a yoga teacher since being in India, like what sort of stuff 
like, have you, I feel like you must've learned so much from just being there, like into your third month from the people that are teaching there and that sort of thing. Mm, well, yes, mostly I've learned a lot about building a website <laughs> because, <laughs> because that's like what I had no experience with before, but what I am doing a lot of now, um, Let's see. Well, yeah, like I mostly actually have learned from the business side of running a yoga retreat center, which has been so good for me because like I mentioned, like you already know, I'm planning to start my own dance and yoga retreat center. So just like from kind of working on the business side or like organizational side has been very, very useful and interesting. And I've learned a lot or just like kind of my mind has opened that it's not as easy as it might seem (laughs) and there's like a lot of work involved to make it run smoothly and just like to get people to come and stuff so I've learned a lot about that but in terms of yoga I mean I don't know like I attend every morning regularly without fail I attend the two-hour morning yoga class Um, but it's not super challenging like I don't feel bored of course like I love it I really really love it but it's like every month you're kind of starting again from the beginning because the new students come in yeah so like I actually thought I might kind of progress more than I had not that I really care like I'm still not compared to a lot of yoga teachers I'm not that flexible I can't do any like that many advanced asanas or anything but like I don't care that much to me it's not that important in terms of being a good teacher is not so necessary to know all of the advanced asanas um so I don't know like in terms of yoga I mean I have definitely I've made a few improvements and I've been very consistent so that that's good. Like, I mean, I do two hours of yoga every single morning before I eat breakfast, which is awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. And hard to do that in like a daily life. So I guess, yeah, like I've become consistent. And of course, I've learned some new, some new teaching techniques, like some got, got some new ideas. And of course, being a yoga teacher, you are a different type of student. Like, you're not just a student, but you're also always like open to learning new things. So, and I think also, actually, I also got a lot of confidence teaching being here in India because when he, when I decided to come here, when he asked me to come here, I didn't think I was going to be teaching. I only thought I'd be working in the office. And then at first when I came, they said, oh, we have this yoga immersion program for beginners and we want you or need you to teach every second evening. And at first I was like, whoa, like I can't teach in India on this ashram, like where I did my teacher training. I'm not qualified. I'm not ready for this. But it went really well. Like all the classes that I taught here have gone well. And like, I got really, really, really good feedback from the students. And so it actually made me like feel a lot more confident as a yoga teacher, because I think in Dominican Republic, I was never teaching up to my full potential because of the language barrier. (laughs) Like, I mean, I was doing the best I could and, you know, people liked my classes, but I wasn't like a great, great, great yoga teacher because of the language. Um, that I wasn't teaching in a language that I was fluently speaking. (laughs) So like here, I think I really became more confident. Like I've received a lot of good feedback from like the students and I've had a lot of fun teaching yoga also because now teaching yoga is not like my way of living. Cause like in Dominican, it's like, I have to try to teach as many classes as possible because I have no other way of earning money. And if I don't earn money, I can't pay my rent. But here it's like, I'm working in the office in exchange for 
you know, accommodation, food, whatever, this deal that we have. And then the teaching yoga is just kind of extra. And it's a bonus because then if I'm teaching yoga, it's just like, I don't know, it's fun. So I just kind of came back to like teaching yoga is so fun. And I realized that I actually really like teaching yoga. And I became like happy that I have good feedback from the students. And I realized that like if I can teach in an ashram in India where students from around the world are flying to India to to go here and they like my classes, then I can maybe teach anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, that's really cool. I feel like that's a great learning. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And in terms of like the things you're learning about running like an eco resort or a yoga business, what are some of the key things that you've learned so far? Well, like mostly it's actual technical things, like in terms of building the website and all of these things like search and engine optimization and backlink building and all of these things, which I never, <laughs> never even heard about before. And like, in a way, it's cool that he's he's helping me, but he's also kind of like, yeah, just figure it out. And so it's been really cool um, to figure it out and to learn it because I know that now this is a skill that I have, which I can take with me, whether it's for building my own retreat or whether I want to work at another eco place like this and be like, yeah, by the way, I can do this. So it's yeah, like these technical things are really good, but also like, I mean, something that I've learned that I've say changed, not specifically from being here, but just, yeah, like from being here, but also from my teacher training and also just from traveling is just really like, uh, how much of business is not in your hands. Like there's so much just to do with fate, right? Like there could be two people who do the same, like two different entrepreneurs who do exactly the same amount of work and one person's business will succeed and one person's business will fail. And it's just like, you just can't control it really. Like, I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can do, but there's also a lot of stuff that's out of your control. And to me, this has been really interesting because I came from a business background, you know, like I studied business in university. My family is quite business oriented and I grew up with absolutely no religion, no spirituality, no religion, nothing. And my first work experience out of business school was in Africa and I was trying to help some, you know, rural farmers start small businesses or like make their farming more business like. And always they told me, oh, but it's God's will. If our business succeeds or fails, it's God's will. And I was getting so frustrated. Like, I was like, this is not true. Like, you have to do your accounting. You have to know your stock. You have to make sure that, you know, if you are going to sell out of something, you restock and you have to do this and you have to market and you can't just expect your business to work. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, how can they say that a business is just in God's hands? And then (laughs) it's funny (laughs) because now over time, I'm so much of a just like, if it's meant to be, it will be. And like, especially for me, like for my dream of what I want to start, it's like, I've been thinking about this for so long and kind of like manifesting it in my mind. And so far, everything that I've like wanted or thought about or manifested, somehow it's happened. And I also like, I don't even know which country I'm studying my business in. And some people are like, you know, like, oh, but how can you have this business idea and not even know which country? And I'm like, it'll just happen. Like, I just know that one day I'll just go to a country and I'll just feel like, okay, this is the right place where I'm going to start my business. And I'll just meet the right people who I need to meet and, you know, find someone who's going to invest and find the land that I want to buy, et cetera, et cetera. So now I've like realized that there is so much in business that has to do with like fate and luck. And so, I mean, 
yeah, and kind of like good karma. And if you do good things to work for it, then good things will come to you. And stuff that like five years ago when people said this to me, I was like, come on, get real. And now, <laughs> and now I'm like, yep, I, I'm totally like, yeah, karma and God's will and all of this stuff. So that's funny somehow. Yeah, that's an interesting transition. I think there's a certain level of like personal responsibility that you do need to take with stuff like that. Like if you're just like, oh, you know, I'll just like leave it up to God and you don't do anything, I feel like that could maybe not work out. But if you're kind of yeah. just like doing what you feel like you need to do to go in the right direction and yeah. like, you know, you're trusting your intuition and in your gut, like you're going to go to a country and be like, look around you and get a feel for it and be like, yeah, this is the place. And yeah. But you know, yeah, like, of course, you have to do everything like you have to work hard and you have to do everything. But then ultimately, it'll just happen or it just won't happen. Like maybe my dance resort business is just not meant to be and it just won't happen. But like I am working hard because everything that I'm doing is working towards this goal. And like the whole reason that I'm here is because I want to get experience for my own business, which I'm going to start. The whole reason I'm doing everything is to get experience for my business, which is like my life dream or my life goal. So it's like, yeah, you have to work hard for it. But ultimately, it's like whether it happens or whether it succeeds, like I could work so, so, so hard and then maybe it won't work or I could work so, so, so hard and then maybe it will work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely get that. It's cool that you're having like the experiences over there. I feel like building a website is really key to kind of like, you know, getting a business out there in like the 21st century, like 2016. So it's cool that you're having yeah. the experience. Yeah. Has it been frustrating at all for you? No, not really. Like occasionally I feel a little bit bored working in the office because kind of the reason why I started doing yoga is because I didn't want to work in the office so much. So sometimes I'm like, oh, what am I doing? I'm back in the office. But not really because like overall, I'm so happy to be here and like the environment is really great. And he told me to work three or four hours a day in the office, which is totally a different ballpark from working eight hours a day in the office. Oh, yeah. And so if I want to work like one hour now, one hour now, I can. I mean, I just do it like from more, from breakfast to lunch and then I'm finished. And like if I want to, I can work more or whatever. But like it's super laid back here. So what did you ask me if I feel frustrated? Like, just like if there was like, yeah, frustration with like developing the website and stuff. Oh, no, not really. And like, he's, I mean, the environment here is so great. Like my boss, I guess you could call him or like the owner of the ashram, the one who brought me here is like so, so, so patient and nice. And like, I mean, that's part of the thing about working with a, a yogi. Like, you know, he's not, I don't think he or me or anyone here is ever going to be angry or rushed or stressed or something like that. And like, I always have a lot of work to do, like a lot of tasks, but I never have deadlines or it's never like, you know, Oh, this is so stressed. We have to finish this by this month. It's like, okay, here's all the things you can do when you need more things to do. Just tell me. <laughs> that sounds like such a nice, like, like work environment to be in. Like I think about like the office environments I've worked in and none of them have been terrible, but there's always sort of this level of like, urgency and like you got to get this stuff done like right now and I yeah like I that brings my stress level up and I really try to keep like my stress level down because otherwise I just get like wound up and anxious and it it seems like to you know to have somebody who's like yeah it's cool like we'll get it done like just work a few hours a day like don't don't strain yourself like it'll happen I feel like things probably actually happen more efficiently because you're not stressed about it 
Yeah, exactly. And also because I, I want to, like, I legitimately like this place a lot and I want to help it. So, I mean, some, like, I don't have to work in the afternoon if I don't want to, but sometimes I'm just like, well, I'm here. I could read a book for fun or I could just go work one or two hours more. So often I do just read a book for fun because I love reading and I love having my own free time, of course. But often I'm also like, you know, well, I might as well just work. Why not? Because I'm here and I can help them a little bit more. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, Do you have any advice for like new yoga teachers out there who maybe want to sort of take like an international teaching path? Like, is there anything you've kind of learned along the way that you think like you could pass on to other people? Well, I would say like at first, um, be willing to work without earning money or like, I mean, especially if you're a new yoga teacher, um, like for my first experience was an exchange. I worked in exchange for food and accommodation. And to me, this is like, I wouldn't say work for free, free, although, you know, you could for experience, but some, some sort of exchange agreement like this, I think is a great first step for new yoga teachers because like, like, let's face it, when we finish our yoga teacher training, we're a yoga teacher on paper, technically, but we're not really a yoga teacher, meaning we don't really have any experience. Like, mm-hmm. we teach two or three classes within our teacher training to the other teacher training students, but, like, we don't really know that much about teaching yoga. So, like, I think yeah. it's totally fair as a new yoga teacher to, to teach um, either voluntarily or, say, like, in exchange for something for your first couple of weeks or months or whatever, just to get experience and confidence. So... I would say that like, you know, we all know that some people make $50 an hour or more for teaching yoga in certain cities around the world. But I would just say like, you know, keep it all in perspective and realize that a lot of people who make that much money have been teaching for five or 10 years or more and have five different yoga teacher training courses. So I would say don't expect to make money right away from teaching yoga, but just realize that it's kind of like, you know, a path and be willing to to do it at first. Yeah. Um, I think that's really good advice. It's kind of the same thing that I don't know if you found this coming out of business school, but I feel like there was, I talked to a lot of different people with different opinions on how much they thought they should be paid for their first job. And my viewpoint mm-hmm. was kind of like, I'm going to take what like comes to me because, or like who will give me a job because I literally have no experience. Like I'm not yeah. entitled <laughs> to $50,000 a year. I'm not entitled to $60,000 a year. Like, you know, if somebody pays me like, you know, 16 bucks an hour, I feel like that's pretty good. Considering <laughs> yeah. All you have is a piece of paper that says, okay, I've studied this, but you kind of have to yeah. go out there and really prove yourself and, yeah. and learn from other people who have more experience from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great advice. Did you have something else you were going to say there? Um, well, another one, like I mentioned before, is just try to keep up your own personal practice and also try to continue attending classes with other teachers. Um, cause like for me personally, like I mentioned when I was in Nicaragua, I kind of there, I felt like I was kind of in a rut because I didn't attend other classes. And in Dominican, sometimes I was really busy teaching that I didn't have time to attend other classes. So I think like I mean, if possible, always try to continue attending classes and having your own self-practice so that you can improve as a teacher. And just like you need to have a certain energy as a yoga teacher. Like 
you need to be, say, well-rested, projecting a good energy. And for most yoga teachers, if you don't have your own yoga practice, whether that's self-practice or going to a class, you don't have the proper energy for teaching a yoga class. It's not just like any job where you can just go there with any state of mind. Like you need to be kind of, you know, like I think most yoga teachers before they go into a class, they do like a small five-minute meditation or some kapalabhati pranayama or something to like prepare prepare themselves to teach. Because you, it, it, I'm sure you know, it's like you have to have this certain energy so and then to have your own personal practice is important for that Mm -hmm. and then yeah like it's kind of like practice what you preach is sort of like my yeah thoughts on it and I've talked to a few yoga teachers who are like like how can you go in there and be like you know calm your mind come into your body if you're not if you're not doing that in your life yeah and like yoga is so off the mat too I find like for me, I recognize like my yoga practice when I'm stuck in like rush hour traffic and Mm, you know, years ago before I was practicing or teaching yoga, I would be like so frustrated and wound up and angry. And now I'm just like, it is what it is. Like I'll get home when I get home. Like there's nothing I can do about that traffic. I can be angry or I can turn on the radio and listen to some some tunes and like, yeah, totally. Yeah, I feel the same. Like I literally never get angry or never get frustrated. And I guess it's because of yoga. (laughs) I don't know. But and the same thing, like with the people I work with, like the other who are also yoga teachers, like, I don't know. It's like, yeah, everybody's just happy. And I don't know, like something will happen and they'll just be like, well, oh, well, it already happened and then move on. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good way to live life for sure. Do you find you're like more relaxed in India than you were in like, say Dominican or was it pretty, pretty similar in the Dominican as well? Yeah, I'd say I was pretty relaxed there also. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. You always sound so relaxed, which I love. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And what about like, in terms of like planning international, like teaching, like, do you think it's better to sort of just like, like find a place you like and just show up there and see if you can teach or kind of like seek jobs out beforehand or what's sort of your view on that? Well, yeah. So I've had the experience doing both like in Nicaragua and India, I had the job before then I came in Dominican. I didn't have the job and I went and they both ultimately worked out fine. Um, in the Dominican, I was a couple of months without earning money basically. And there was one point where I literally almost had no money. And I was like, okay, if I don't get more classes next week, I can't pay my rent. So, um, Of course, if you go to a country without a job pre-aligned, there's a risk that you're not going to get a job or that you're going to start really, really slow and it's going to take a long time to build yourself up. That's probably going to happen. So like, I mean, if you have a bit of money saved and if you have time and if you have a country or a city or a place that you really, really, really want to go to and you think there could be opportunities, then and if you're an adventurous person, then sure, why not? But like in general, I think I would actually recommend and me, myself in the future, I think I would tend to try to find the opportunities before going because like a lot of times there are so many cool opportunities that you can find on the internet and like in Dominican Republic they weren't specifically looking for a new yoga teacher so it took me like a while to get into it but there's like a lot of places who are specifically looking for a yoga teacher and they want you and they'll pay for you to go there and then when you arrive you immediately have like full-time teaching work or something so like 
I really, really wanted to go to Dominican. So I was like, I don't care. I'm just going to go and I'm going to make it work. And I did make it work. So like, I mean, definitely for the people who are adventurous and they want to go to a place, I would say go with it, like follow your, your passion. And if somehow it will work out, but like for most people, and like I said, for me too, in the future, I think I would actually tend to advise, um, to look for the job beforehand on the internet and then go wherever the opportunities are. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great advice. And then, so just one like final question for you that I'm asking everyone who's coming on the podcast is if you could give like Carolyn advice, like Carolyn from two years ago, advice that you know now, what's one piece of advice that you would give her? Like brand new right out of teacher training. Oh, out of teacher training. Um, hmm. I don't know. That's a hard one, actually. Um, I would say, I, okay. I would say something along the lines of be a student forever and never feel like you're an expert, never close yourself from learning more because you can always learn more. And even the most advanced yoga teacher in the world can learn more from themselves and from other people. And I learn every day from students. Like I learn from the 60 year old grandmother who has never done yoga before, and I learned from the expert yoga teacher who's been teaching yoga for 20 years. So like you can, yeah, that's what I would just say is like, you know, you could come out of yoga teacher training and be like, wow, cool. I'm, I'm a yoga teacher and you are, and that's really, really great. And you've already done a lot. Like to do a teacher training is not easy, but, um, and I think like maybe when you start yoga, you're more likely to be open to learning because you realize that you still have a lot to learn. But yeah, that's, I think, like, just a cool advice for yoga and in life in general is just always be open to learn more, always be willing to be a student. Amazing. I 100% agree with that. So I love that. Cool. Do you have anything else that you want to leave listeners with about advice as a teacher or teaching around the world or anything like that? Um, no, not really. I would just say like, go out and do it because to me, being a yoga teacher has opened a lot of doors and I literally feel like I could go to almost any country in the world and be able to teach yoga there. So, um, I mean, if there's a lot of website resources, a lot of personal networks and connections that every yoga teacher probably has through their teacher training or whatever. So, you know, I'd say if you want to go out and teach yoga abroad, just just do it. Hop on, hop on Google and then hop on a plane. (laughs) (laughs) I love your sense of adventure. It's amazing. (laughs) Cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. It's been really, it's been really amazing talking to you about yoga. You're welcome. All right. So that's the interview with Carolyn McPherson. If anyone wants to check out the places that she's been teaching and studying yoga at, I'll put links on the show notes. That'll be up on the MBOM website at mbomyoga.com. If you want to check out the yoga ashram that she's currently at, it's Ayur Yoga. So A-Y-U-R Yoga dot dash ashram.com. And you can check out the retreats that they offer as well as other trainings Lots of cool stuff on there. She's done a fabulous job with the website. So definitely check that out. If you want to read more about Carolyn and the things that she's done, definitely check out the show notes. If anyone has any other questions, comments, feedback, or if you just want to say hi, definitely just send me an email, info at mbomyoga.com. I'd love to hear from you. As always, thank you so much for listening. Bye.